This is a WKYT podcast. Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. Down the stretch they come toward Election Day. Even though most Kentuckians may have already voted in the high stakes 2020 election, many are expected to show up at the polls on Tuesday. Then we'll await clarity up and down the ballot and those political ads will be off of your TV screen. One of the most fascinating races in central Kentucky right now is the Republican uh, Congressman Andy Barr working to hold off a challenge from Democratic challenger Josh Hicks. We're going to talk to both candidates this morning. Later we'll hear from candidate Hicks, but we will begin with Congressman Barr, who is making a case for re-election. Congressman, uh, first of all, with this uh, early voting, I mean, do you know uh, really what to expect in terms of uh, how it may turn out and uh, when we'll know the answer to, to who's won? Well, we don't know. We may uh, hear a little bit sooner just because so many ballots have already been cast through absentee balloting and also a big surge in early in-person voting, which I'm encouraging. If people know how they're going to vote, go ahead and do that. Do yourself a favor um, and vote early. You'll have a chance to continue to vote early on Monday uh, before Election Day on Tuesday. Uh, obviously, we expect very long lines on Election Day itself because, um, of course, the a tremendous interest in this election and um, the stakes are very high of course but also because we have fewer in-person physical voting locations so if you know how you're going to vote we encourage folks to go ahead and and cast their vote in person early congressman before we launch into some of the uh, ongoing issues out there how different has this campaign been for you the pandemic has meant to no big gatherings like you've done in your uh, previous uh, runs for office you'd like to go county to county and hold those events and and you've been without your wife uh, carol whom you lost uh, just as this race was getting started obviously that's been tough on the family i've spent more time at home prioritizing the kids that's that always has been my priority and that's the most important thing. Um, we are very blessed to have a lot of family that help out and allow me to get out and about. Uh, there's a lot more Zoom and uh, video conference and conference uh, uh, conference calls as opposed to in-person in uh, physical meetings with people, no large rallies or crowds. Uh, but we still continue to uh, get out there with masks, social distancing, we're careful. Uh, we have smaller gatherings and we, and we space out. But, I still think it's important that we do that. We, yesterday I was on the road. I started the day in Estill County, went to Madison County. I was uh, there with um, Senator Mitch McConnell for an event. And then I traveled on to Camargo, uh, to the town and country store, which I love to visit with folks out there in Montgomery County. And then we traveled to Menifee, Wolf County, and we ended the evening in, in Winchester. So a big, uh, big and busy day in the, in the district, but we were careful the whole way through. Your opponent has uh, worked hard to make health care central to this campaign, uh, certainly with this uh, pandemic. Do you think uh, that that is much of what's on the minds of voters uh, this election season as uh, we're in this situation? Naturally, that's true. I think um, the pandemic, uh, the virus, also the economy and uh, jobs, that's front in mind with everyone. And I think defeating the virus is interconnected to getting uh, the American people fully back to work. We got a great jobs report and growth report. Uh, two thirds of the growth has come back since those uh, very serious uh, lockdowns in uh, March, April and May. Um, so that's good news, but we have to keep that V-shaped recovery going. And ultimately, 
uh, that is interconnected to the healthcare situation. We've got to get a vaccine, a safe and effective vaccine. And we're well on our way with Operation Warp Speed, the billions of dollars that I voted for to help uh, the pharmaceutical companies develop safe and effective vaccines. And they're, they're moving through the process very effectively um, with uh, the gold standard of FDA approval process. I think four vaccines now in phase three clinical trials and we're ramping up the production of those uh, vaccines so that we'll have 300 million doses uh, when the FDA approves a, a vaccine, uh, we think early 2021. Um, but we're very proud of the record on healthcare um, in encountering and confronting this public health crisis from delivering personal protective equipment uh, to local area hospitals and nursing homes, uh, expanding telemedicine services to keep our healthcare workers safe and also uh, to conserve uh, scarce personal protective equipment, ramping up domestic manufacturing of medical equipment, onshoring that manufacturing, supporting uh, the uh, Project Airbridge, which brought uh, more personal protective equipment back to the United States to uh, help our frontline healthcare workers. Uh, the fact that we voted for uh, therapies and treatments and gave all Americans free COVID testing, we've really ramped up testing in, in this country. We've got over a million tests being done every single day in this country. And like I said before, with Operation Warp Speed, we are on the cusp, on the verge of one of the most significant biomedical and pharmaceutical achievements in human history or with a vaccine um, uh, that will get our economy going again, frankly, and reopen the economy. Let me ask you about that, the vaccine, as people, you know, are, are so eager for that and, and trying to look around the corner and hope that that, uh, you know, that is the answer here and that things uh, uh, quickly get better. If a vaccine does come, uh, do you think the Congress would uh, would have to take a vote on whether that is uh, uh, to be administered universally or would it be strictly voluntary? Or do you think that would be something uh, done at the, at the White House level? I, I would support voluntary, but I think um, um, we should lead by example and encourage, uh, if, as long as it goes through the FDA gold standard approval process and everything checks out, uh, we, and and, we'll, and we, we will need to vaccinate the frontline healthcare workers and the doctors and the hospital and nursing home workers first and the first responders. I, I think there will, there will be public acceptance uh, of that process. Could you but, vote to make it mandatory if that, uh, if that came before you? I don't think we'll need to. I think there'll be um, enough confidence in the process and I do have confidence in the process. I've been briefed by the FDA and the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Uh, there are no cut corners here. We're just doing things uh, concurrently as opposed to uh, uh, sequentially like it's done. Uh, otherwise, we're accelerating the timetable, but we're not cutting corners. So I think it's gonna be safe and effective when there is ultimately an approval. Uh, and we'll have dosage, dosage, uh, dosage levels that will allow us to deploy this in, on mass scale in ways that other vaccines don't have. And the reason for that is frankly, the votes uh, that I cast in Congress to provide literally tens of billions of dollars in this um, heroic public-private partnership between uh, the taxpayers and the pharmaceutical industry. And they're competing with one another. Uh, so this is the best of American ingenuity. You know, it's very frustrating to hear politicians criticize the response uh, to the coronavirus pandemic when this is literally going to be one of the most incredible achievements in human medical history. You made reference to the economy and some uh, glimmers of uh, hopeful signs out there. Uh, but you know, it's still a tough situation for a lot of Kentuckians. Are, are you surprised that there has been no second economic stimulus package passed uh, given the toll the pandemic has taken on the economy? 
Yes, and it's so frustrating that Speaker Pelosi continues to block sensible liability protections that would allow small businesses to reopen. We don't need trial lawyers suing small businesses right in the middle of the pandemic. We don't need trial lawyers suing uh, heroic doctors and hospitals and pharmaceutical companies trying to cure, uh, provide vaccine and, and, and treat patients. That's the last thing we need. We need another stimulus bill that will block these trial lawyers from suing everybody in the middle of a pandemic. And we need to reload the very successful paycheck protection program that my opponent, for whatever reason, criticizes. This was a this was a lifeline. I voted for transparency. I, I, I helped create this program. And not only did I encourage as the oversight uh, head on the Financial Services Committee over Treasury, encourage greater transparency, uh, I voted to provide a lifeline to over 50,000 Main Street small businesses. These weren't big companies. These were Main Street small businesses. Uh, you know, I was on the road yesterday and I had a convenience store owner, I had a restaurant owner, I, I had a small uh, a tool and die company manufacturer. We saved, we saved millions of jobs across this country and these are middle class jobs that we saved. And uh, for whatever reason, the critics out there don't understand that the program is called the Paycheck Protection Program. It doesn't go to donors, it doesn't go to uh, CEOs, it goes to workers that allows them to keep them on the payroll. The only way that these loans get forgiven is if uh, the loans were used to keep people on the payroll and keep them off of unemployment. And it was extraordinarily successful. That's why we need another round. We need to, we need to move past this uh, election so that Speaker Pelosi stops blocking another round of relief while we're waiting for this vaccine. Uh, I Congressman, think really let, me, yeah. let me ask you this. The, the opioid crisis, which has been a, a, such a challenge for Kentucky, appears to have uh, gotten worse during the pandemic. Uh, do we have the kind of sustained effort underway in the state that, that we can uh, address this and bring it under control? Well, yesterday, we or the day before yesterday, we announced another round of grants to uh, local area addiction recovery services from uh, the uh, rural development and USDA money that I voted for both in the farm bill and appropriations, but also in the CARES Act, the uh, first round of coronavirus relief funds. Uh, I have a bill that would uh, facilitate uh, better rural broadband connectivity using the coronavirus relief funds so that we can have better addiction recovery services online during the pandemic. But clearly we've seen an uptick. And last week we hosted the director of the Office of National Drug Control Policy, the White House Drugs Are, right here in the 6th Congressional District, where we visited with the, the, the HIDA task force that I've secured for the district in Madison, in Montgomery, in Powell, and in Clark counties. And we met with these uh, law enforcement officers that are getting help from the federal government now to keep these poisons out of our communities. We also uh, met with our recovery working group that I started, I convened all of the area of faith-based and not-for-profit groups that are serving people in addiction recovery. And, um, and we're bringing federal grants to the district, most prominently the $87 million uh, healing grant for the University of Kentucky. Uh, I facilitated a meeting between the investigators and researchers at UK uh, that are gonna use this grant to reduce overdose mortality by 40% in four years. Uh, and, and they met with the drug czar, uh, Jim Carroll, uh, when he was in the district with me last week. So uh, we've, we've laid the groundwork. Uh, now we just need to make sure that we defeat the virus so we can bring these people back together and, and, and get them better services. But in the next term of Congress, I wanna focus on 
funding the bill that I passed last Congress, which is the CAREER Act, which provides for transitional housing for addiction recovery. We need more funding right. for that. And uh, I was meeting with the Isaiah House in Versailles. They're opening a new facility for women in recovery. They need more long-term transitional housing. I'm working across the aisle in the Financial Services Committee with Congressman uh, Scott from Georgia uh, about how to also um, reimagine the Section 8 voucher program to connect it with addiction recovery services, uh, with um, job training services. So we're not just warehousing people in addiction, we're giving them the treatment and the counseling services and the job training that they need for long-term recovery. Congressman, I've let you answer that fully. Uh, let me just ask you now, uh, with a few seconds left, over the next uh, couple of days, uh, ahead of the, the vote on Tuesday, uh, what do you do to try to, uh, to win in the 6th District again? Well, we continue to get out the vote. Uh, uh, we know a lot of my supporters are, are wanting to vote near the election and on Election Day. We just want to make sure uh, that they know that they're, they're going to have to wait in some lines. But uh, we think they're very, very motivated. That's what we're hearing. We're getting great feedback about the fact that uh, we're getting results. I've always said that if you do the job you're elected to do, um, then the politics will take care of itself. People appreciate our response to the virus, our leadership role on the committee at the center of the economy and the and the forgivable loan program that I've led to expand and will continue to fight, uh, and the middle-class tax cuts that I voted for, and they see the leadership that we're providing on the China Task Force to hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable uh, for uh, causing this uh, terrible pandemic, for enabling its spread, right. and for their disinformation campaign. Uh, we're gonna, in the next Congress, work on uh, implementing the 400 recommendations uh, to not only hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable, but to prepare the United States for the coming uh, competition with the Chinese Communist Party. We need to bring more jobs back to the United States, onshore our manufacturing capabilities, uh, and prepare to uh, defend ourselves, uh, both in terms of our uh, national security and our economic security uh, from the very aggressive um, uh, policies and, uh, and posturing uh, of the Chinese Communist Party. Good Congressman, that's our time. Uh, thank you uh, for very much for being with us. Uh, had to cut you off like uh, I guess happens on the floor sometimes. <laughs> we appreciate you being with us. And we will be back in just a moment and Democratic candidate Josh Hicks will join us here on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. And we welcome you back to Kentucky Newsmakers on WKYT. Earlier, we heard from Republican Congressman Andy Barr, who is seeking his fifth term in Washington. Now his challenger, Democrat Josh Hicks, is joining us. Hicks has run a popular-style campaign trying to appeal to those who may feel their concerns are ignored in Washington. Hicks is a former Marine and police officer who went to law school and is now a Lexington attorney. Josh Hicks joining us now. Mr. Hicks, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, as always, Bill. A pleasure to be on with you all. You know, before I launch into uh, the issues of this race, uh, here we are uh, at the end, and uh, it's never easy uh, to, to do this kind of thing. Uh, you and Mr. Barr both had uh, uh, family health uh, issues that uh, have come along, and uh, how difficult has this race been for you to run during this pandemic when you've had to try to introduce yourself to voters without being able to really meet with them and, and share some conversations and handshakes and so forth, the kind of things that it takes to get to know people. You've had to do this with a mask on and six feet apart. Yes, sir, and I'll tell you, any struggles that, that I have had in this campaign are, are far secondary to the struggles that the average Kentuckian is facing, uh, not only from the beginning of this pandemic, 
but here we are rapidly approaching November and we're watching the cases rise. We're still seeing too many deaths. We're watching the cases rise across the United States. And so any struggle that I've had, it, it has been it has been secondary to the struggle that people who are now unemployed or have lost their health insurance have been facing. And so really it's bolstered my resolve to do to do everything I can to try to get someone back in Washington, D.C. that's not going to brag about things that happened in March or April, not going to brag about accomplishments from years ago, but is going to sit down and do the serious work that is that, that has to be done is currently being ignored in Washington, D.C., so that folks around here who are seeing little or nothing, who are seeing you know their, their small businesses dry up and blow away, who are seeing their health care gone, who are seeing the attacks on their health care if they have pre-existing conditions, but those are the folks that, that I keep in the forefront of my mind. And any struggles I have, secondary to theirs. But do you, feel, do you feel that you have been able to adequately introduce yourselves to, uh, to people to an extent that they have a comfort level with you uh, in being their representative and somebody that they could reach out to if they had questions about the federal government and to be their voice in Washington? I believe so, Bill. I believe so. And we put people's safety at the forefront of this campaign from the first of the pandemic. But we've still been able to be out. We've still been able to have small meetings and, and small gatherings and still be there and show up and do the work of learning about each unique county in this district to find their challenges and the opportunities. So I do feel like we've had a good opportunity to introduce ourselves and to talk about how we can be a voice for them in Washington, D.C. Do you think the federal government response to the COVID-19 pandemic has been adequate? No, sir, I do not. I think it's been a failure, not only at the political level, where this virus itself became uh, the subject of political rhetoric and, and divided along political lines, but also the relief that was passed back in March and April uh, is gone now. Uh, those loans are, are spent. The uh, unemployment relief is gone. The, the things that were done have now expired. And unfortunately, we're still suffering under the consequences of a failed federal response, not just politically, but legislatively as well. And so there's a lot of folks out here struggling and wondering if anybody is going to get back to work for them. Let's talk about the, the, the reality of passing a, an economic stimulus package. And there's a lot of criticism of that, that that has not happened a second round. Uh, Barr in the House and uh, Senator Mitch McConnell uh, say that the Democratic House bill is full of unrelated goodies. Uh, would you be able to go and vote for something that goes outside the scope of fighting the coronavirus if that's what you were presented with by uh, House leadership? Well, first and foremost, I, I, I would fight to make it a unique relief that would reach where it needs to reach for small businesses, for unemployed people, for folks who have lost their health insurance, for folks who were already struggling to get by before the pandemic came along. And I would want to be a part of doing that. And in fact, Bill, I'm the only one in this race who's going to have that opportunity. As someone who would go and join a majority, I have the opportunity to influence what that next bill looks like. If we send our current guy back to Washington, D.C., he's going to be excluded in a minority, sucking up corporate pack checks. I want to go and fight for Kentuckians in the majority so that I can shape a better bill coming out of this. But secondary to that, what they say about economic stimulus when you're talking about McConnell and Barr, I have a hard time believing anything they say. The, the amount of lies and rhetoric that have been tossed around for political gain doesn't serve a single Kentuckian who is struggling right now. Barr recounted to us in the interview just previous to this that he said that he has gone around to a lot of small businesses that benefited from uh, the initial uh, stimulus package that was passed back in the, the spring and summer uh, and, and said that it is wrong to say that it is only for big business, that there are small businesses here in the 6th District, uh, that uh, this has been the difference in them being able to keep the doors open or not. Uh, do you agree with that assessment? 
I think that I have seen many more small businesses that I have been to and visited with that either never got the relief in the first place or that relief is now long gone and they're facing a long, dark winter without anything in place to help them. And moreover, I've talked to many more agricultural producers all across this district who got absolutely no relief, who got who lost 60% of their income on their agricultural piece because farmers markets were unable to operate like they had. And those folks never got anything at all. So what I've been focused on, Bill, are the folks who feel like their federal government, their federal leadership has failed them because what I want to do, take the pieces that have already worked, continue those, but find all the failings, find all the ways that it didn't help so that I can be better starting in January of 21. Mr. Hicks, the opioid crisis appears to have gotten worse uh, during the, the pandemic. Uh, is, people are in more uh, despair. They're in, in many cases uh, separated from uh, the, the treatment they were able to get uh, before everything hit. Uh, do you have an idea of how the federal government in a sustained way uh, can assist Kentucky in fighting what is a, a real scourge on the state? Yes, sir, absolutely. And it begins with your federal government not being full of bought and paid for politicians by Big Pharma. As you know all too well, Bill, I've called on my opponent to return money he accepted from Purdue Pharma. He has flatly said, no, he's not going to do that. So first of all, we have to have politicians that aren't bought and paid for. But on the policy side, we have to find funding for, after we hold these bad actors, these bad pharmaceutical companies accountable, we find funding for sustainable rehabilitation programs that are local in our communities, that are results-based, that are reaching out and providing after services so that folks have a chance not only to 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 heal their addiction but then to move forward and rebuild their life from there it's going to be a crucial part of economic development all across rural kentucky if a vaccine comes would you uh, you know and, and it were to come before congress to determine if uh, people have to take it would you make its use uh, universal that everybody uh, uh, was compelled to get the vaccine or would you favor that being strictly voluntary? As, as somebody who served in the Marine Corps and was, was volunteered for the uh, anthrax vaccine that was offered back in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, I, I hesitate to say one way or the other, but I will say this, everyone should get this vaccine. If we get a vaccine and it's safe and the testing is widely available, Everyone should get this vaccine. We are not going to get back to normal, either public health-wise or economically, until we defeat this virus. And I think that's of paramount importance. But there's a strong difference in in a, in a suggestion uh, that people take it and actually voting to, to make it uh, law that they do that. Uh, would you vote yes if that came before you? If the bill was just that, Bill, if the bill was just, hey, everybody's going to get this vaccine, as someone who got the anthrax vaccine in the United States Marine Corps, I probably would vote for it. Lexington's about 40% uh, of this district. The rest is in the uh, large uh, and the small suburbs and the, and, the, and the smaller towns and in the countryside surrounding uh, that. Uh, to get the kind of math you would need to win, uh, where does your vote need to come from uh, as those vote totals come in? Well, I hope it comes from all over this district, Bill. I hope our, our talk and, and our priorities being focused on putting the people of Kentucky first four corporate special interests. I hope they come from everywhere. Obviously, we would like to see a big turnout here in Lexington. Would love to see a big turnout from some of the Eastern Kentucky counties that, that are either I call home there in Fleming or are close to where I call home. But we wanna make sure that we've reached out to every single voter, whether they feel disaffected, whether they feel like they have somebody working for them, whether they feel like their voice is heard, we wanna make sure we've reached out to everybody because everybody matters 
and I want to represent the entire district, not just the portions that I need to get elected. What has this experience been like for you? you uh, you've run one political campaign before and, and came up just short. That was for a state house seat. What has uh, running for Congress in central Kentucky been like for you? Well, there has been a lot of good because I've met a lot of wonderful people and have gotten to connect with a lot of folks who made me more and more determined to go to work for them because whether it's the teacher in Nicholas County, sad that her students don't have broadband access to be able to do their homework, or whether it's somebody living out in a part of this district, say Frenchburg, that is looking for an agricultural center to help stimulate the agricultural economy there. I've talked to folks all over this district, and it's really reinforced for me how important it is that we have folks who care, have some compassion, have some empathy, and want to go to work for them, put public service at the forefront. Um, it's been difficult, of course, watching some of the attack ads and watching some of the lies told about me on television. But Bill, unfortunately, that's where our politics are right now. And until we can change that and get back to requiring truth and integrity from our elected officials, it's just what we're going to have to put up with. What do you do the next uh, couple of days here before the election? Do you, uh, are you urging people uh, to take advantage of the vote on Monday so that there are not lines maybe on Tuesday? Yes, sir. Absolutely. In fact, if anybody's watching this and hasn't gone and voted in person yet, please go. Please try Saturday. Please go on Monday. Please go and get out early, not only so you can have your voice heard and exercise your constitutional right, but so you can get out there and beat the crowds. I'm worried we're going to see big crowds on Election Day. I want everybody to vote. But what I'm going to do, I am going to be trying to find places where I can still go and safely connect with voters. Unfortunately, we're seeing these counties in the red all over the place, so we're going to do it safely but it's still important that we reach everybody we can before the final bell rings. Josh Hicks, Democratic candidate for Congress, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. And stay with us. We'll be back on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. So we are now just a couple of days away from Election Day itself. Many people have turned in absentee ballots already. Many Kentuckians have voted early in person. Secretary of State Michael Adams has released his projections for the year, and he expects 70% of registered voters will be casting a ballot here in 2020. If that happens, it would be the highest turnout since 1992. At GoVoteKY.com, you can look at sample ballots, find polling places along with checking your voter registration again that is at govoteky.com now be sure to join us on election night on tuesday evening of course throughout the day we'll have voting trends and then that evening on wkyt and on the cw lexington we'll have special election coverage and on all of our platforms including wkyt.com and our facebook page that's kentucky newsmakers thank you for joining us and have a good week ahead